says tech can't be human? If there's chemistry and respect, mutual respect is also very important. A founder has to want to follow a first sales leader, has to want to follow a first marketing leader. They have to listen to what they're saying and be inspired about their own business. Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. We get it. Another vendor running another podcast ad, trying to get you to check out their product. Instead of explaining to you what our amazing sponsor Axonius does, we've brought in an Axonius customer to fill you in. Take it from Jason Loomis, Chief Information Security Officer at MindBody. The sheer excitement of my team to have visibility into what's in our environment and have it all in one location is just, I, I can't express how important that is for us. Want to learn more about how MindBody enhanced their asset visibility and increased their cybersecurity maturity rating with Exonius? Watch the video at exonius.com forward slash MindBody. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com forward slash MindBody. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. I have a question for everyone. What if I told you that everything you need to know about startups, you can learn from dating advice? So we think this is what we've learned from our guests today. Our guest is Mimi Gross. Mimi connects early stage through Series C cybersecurity startups with sales and marketing talent. And Mimi, you also founded your company called People by Mimi always a pleasure to have you. And I wanted to say, before we even jump into the matter at hand, where did this term or AKA cybersecurity matchmaker come from? That is a great question. And I've never been asked that question before. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> really? Yeah. It seems obvious because I'm a recruiter. So there's some matchmaking element in it. But the truth is, it really is a part of who I've always been. I've always matched people up. And that's how I got into recruiting. So early on, I was kind of disillusioned with recruiting because I realized that people don't treat it that way. It's like sales for some people. So I quickly said, I can't do this thing unless I can call it matchmaking. That's where the term came in. But nobody's ever pushed back on it, which is really funny because it does kind of Makes sense. <laughs> it does make sense because, I mean, you are making a match between people and startups and other companies. We were hanging out at RSA and we were having this deep conversation about the analogy between it being a, a dating construct when you're looking at bringing on either additional founders or you're bringing additional people to your team. But where did this really start in your mind? I think what happened was I would start talking to both founders and candidates on both sides, where I would start to see that the advice that I'm giving is advice that I was given when I got serious about dating, let's say when yeah. I, you know, in my later twenties, <laughs> when I got serious about finding the right one, which thankfully I did. And I used a lot of advice. I wasn't great at it naturally. I'm pretty loud. <laughs> I had to learn to listen. But yeah, I found that I really loved reading dating books and getting dating advice from my friends who did it well. And I started to see that it 100% was naturally flowing out 
in terms of advice that I had for people while they were in the process of either recruiting a really critical first hire, like a sales leader or a marketing leader. Mm-hmm. So that's from the founder side. And then from the, the marketer's side, it was really looking at their life, their career, where they're headed, their goals, and trying to figure out what the right match for them would be. Both sides. But you know, you kind of found that. And then once they started getting together, Still, you see the same stuff, miscommunications, maybe somebody picked up on something, maybe somebody didn't send a thank you note, or maybe they're bringing past prejudices into Mm. the relationship and maybe not seeing things for what they were. I became very, very aware. It's a little bit of like a back to the future thing, like don't mess with the time-space continuum, Right. (laughs) which I think that sales-oriented recruiting does that. You want to push someone to join this awesome company. And for me, I always felt like I kind of watched the dynamic. I watched the chemistry happen and it kind of does its own thing. And that was the best advice when I was dating that I ever got was like, it's going to be easy when you meet the right one. It's not going to be brutal. You're not going to be struggling through it. You're just kind of going to know. It might not be like fireworks, but you're going to kind of know that it's right. And it's not going to be filled with all kinds of weird crap. (laughs) Um, And I find that the best matches I make, and I love to call them matches because they really are. I look back at them like, you know, such a good match. And those great matches, the chemistry was there right away. Mm -hmm. So that's number one, like red flags. That's where this started because I would start encouraging people to listen to red flags And people don't listen to red flags in recruiting the way that people don't listen to red flags in dating. Right. You know, recruiting is one of those topics in cybersecurity or even business as a whole where people don't know where it starts and stops. Sometimes when I hear that someone's a recruiter, I'm like, oh, great. They'll help me with everything. And it's like, no, I only help you with finding resumes or reviewing them or the first outreach. And then you handle everything else. But Some people like yourself, you know, you really focus on the match, but let's unpack it a bit. How would you define recruiting, especially in this world of cybersecurity? I define it as matchmaking. I know that's now going to be repetitive, but (laughs) um, I do. I really do. I view it as, look, I take it with a lot of gravity. I'm working with founders. I'm working with sales leaders and marketing leaders, VCs sometimes. There's a lot of money at stake. There's a lot kind of coming into the future of the thing that's about to happen. And a person who's joining that, that's also a huge decision. So I think, you know, a really good recruiter is a conduit and a channel, you know, it's a matchmaker and kind of somebody there to support the process gently. The first thing I think about when you think about dating, maybe it's just because of my track record is uh, rejection. Right. You think about rejection and a lot of times people take it personal when they're like, hey, you know, this was fun, but this will never happen again. Right. But this also happens in cybersecurity. We go on these interviews. We put our best foot forward. We're like, oh, this is the perfect company for us. And then the company says, sorry, we found someone that was more qualified or, oh, it's just not a good fit right now. And people take it personally. But I mean, I often tell people like, hey, you know, if it's not a good match, it probably wouldn't have worked out in the long run anyways. And maybe that's just not the company for you. And there's definitely that match out there for you. Do you see that as the same way when it comes to rejection? That is an amazing topic to bring up as well. The rejection piece is a 
huge part of what I do with people. And I'll explain this and actually self-referencing to Hacker Valley Media. <laughs> Gianna, I don't think they're going to be upset for me to mention this. Gianna Whitfer and Maria, mm-hmm. they met because one of them was interviewing with the other through me. <laughs> and it didn't work out. And it didn't right. work out. And they became great friends. And they created this beautiful thing together. Mm-hmm. And I always look at that as why my work is so meaningful. We're working in a small community. I only work in cybersecurity. So when I introduce two people, it's not just about, are they going to have that job? I'm introducing two humans who can now know each other. Mm-hmm. And I think about that. And I think that is a cool piece to think about. And with rejection, I think if you can take the practice of not taking it personally, and you think of it as dating, that there's kind of a really nuanced, perfect fit for each thing, you can kind of say, okay, it wasn't right. Maybe I have certain needs today that they don't have or whatever it is. And I think the same way that you can develop yourself as a person to not take rejection personally, it's not just not taking it personally, but to actually see that there will be like the right fit for you or that also the person who's rejecting you could be a valuable person to know, never burn bridges. Very important job-seeking skill to be able to see that. It's true. Not everybody has the wherewithal to do it, but... It sounds a lot like building relationships. It's all about that at the end of the day, from finding an opportunity to getting matched for that opportunity and even for excelling in that opportunity. I can only imagine if you join an organization and you don't like someone that works there what is that going to be like for you, your team, your company? It's just going to cause a lot of friction. It's almost like going back to that dating situation, like marrying someone that hates your family and your family hates them. That could be like pretty wild and crazy. When you're looking at matchmaking and bringing the right people in, do employers really know what they're looking for? That's what I hear on LinkedIn quite a bit, especially Speaking with Renee and Chris Fulon from the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity podcast, they mentioned this a lot of having great job description and requirements. But I would be curious if that's actually the problem of staffing cybersecurity professionals or if it's something else. We look at job descriptions like you have to have job descriptions. It's a must have if you're going to put it on LinkedIn what else are you going to put there? (laughs) So (laughs) we need to create these job descriptions. But what I can say is working with early stage startups, I'm often not working from job descriptions because I'm doing like the first sales or the first marketing or the second. And so we're really looking at the pain points that the company has today. We're also looking at the projected, let's say, pain points that they're having a few steps ahead. Mm -hmm. And then we're formulating a really nuanced mapping of what kind of person's going to work there. And so we do that. But then the other piece is really guiding hiring managers to follow their instincts. Right. And there's a lot of pressures. I would love to dig into this a little bit because it's really interesting how VCs play into this. When a founder is hiring and they aren't clear, let's say, about exactly what they need, mm-hmm. they know better than anyone else what they need. They may not be able to articulate it, but they will know it when they see it. Unless they're like clouded by a lot of other people pressuring them (laughs) to ignore certain instincts or to maybe even artificially create other prejudices or things that they're looking for. For example, let's talk about like Ivy League. 
Right. I've had searches like that. And when I dug deep enough, I found out it came from the VC. We need somebody Ivy League. Ivy League. It was like a CMO role or something like that. I was just thinking to myself, like, a good marketer, how is that connected? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I dug deeper because, and I try to do it gently because I do respect everything I'm being told is necessary. And then sometimes we do have to unpack it, just like with dating. You get to know yourself better as you kind of engage with more people, as long as you're listening to instincts Mm -hmm. and developing and honing instincts as well, because obviously we can have dulled instincts about these things. The complexity of cloud infrastructure means every organization's security challenges are unique. Whether your challenge is threat hunting, policy management, cloud workload protection, or all of the above, Uptix helps you quickly identify and eliminate observability gaps in your security program. That's Uptix. Analytics for the modern attack surface, observability for the modern defender. Check out Uptix by visiting uptix.com. That's U-P-T-Y-C-S dot com. Thank you, Uptix, for sponsoring this episode. I'm sure one of the things that you do with whether you're talking to a candidate or you're talking to the hiring manager is ask why, right? Oh, I want someone from an Ivy League school. Why? Oh, well, because I know they're educated or, oh, I'll I'll know they'll be successful. Why do you want someone that's successful? Oh, well, because then I know they can do X, Y, and Z or provide this or provide that. And then you kind of tumble down the rabbit hole and figure out what is the true why behind everything that you're looking for in this person? Do you take people through that journey? And, And do you have an example of taking someone through? In general, that happens all the time when you're talking about a first hire. There's so much good insight out there about what makes a good first hire for sales or marketing, you know, and it will evolve. And also all those things start to fall away when, uh, let's say I meet an amazing marketing leader and their skill set is exactly what's going to make this company shine. And it's not exactly what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk about that. I'm actually Mm -hmm. thinking of one now. Yeah. So, you know, they were looking for kind of a junior marketer who could kind of carry out some of the earlier demand gen activities just kind of while they were figuring themselves out. And I found somebody who was like a brand genius Mm. and a little weaker on demand gen, but had worked with some of that stuff. And I was talking to them and it just like occurred to me that that could be really amazing for the company whether it was going to be now or later or whatever it was. And so I just kind of like gently said to the founder, I said, you know, I met this person. It's not what you were talking about, but see what happens. And want to respect the fact that I know you were looking for this. It's a little more than what you were wanting to pay. But could this work? They talked and it was like love at first sight. Mm. (laughs) It really was. It was like there was an ease. And the founder felt a lot of the anxiety about certain things that they had had just fell away talking to this person because of the way that the person talked about some of these pieces and the way they talked about their work and their practice. And they were able to, you know, work out that this could be a first hire if they supplemented with, let's say, like a demand gen machine that could work. That's an interesting example because I guess... It could look like I'm pushing people in different directions, but it is like a really good example of somebody thinking they need this exact thing 
And then, you know, being able to meet somebody that because the chemistry was there, because the person had other skills, they were able to envision it. So I don't know. Like at the beginning, there's so many things that if you find the right match, the dating metaphor here is like, nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. So you figure out what kind of imperfect you can handle and you can love. And that's the one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Ron, can you think of a time? Because it's making me think about some of the times that I've put myself forward for a position. Many times I didn't have everything that they were asking for. But I'm like, you know what? I'm so confident and my ability to kind of show my value that even though I'm missing X, Y, and Z, I'm going to put my best foot forward and I think I'm a good candidate for the position. Do you think of some times when you've done that? Like, I don't have this, but I'll tell you what I can do and honestly get the job. When I was early in my career, I wasn't qualified for anything because I didn't have a degree. I didn't start (laughs) with a degree. I didn't have certifications. But what I did have was something that you could only experience after speaking to me. I had determination. I had drive. I had this ability to learn, maybe even aptitude, some people may call it. And that was really great because that's a match. You don't necessarily always know what you need beforehand, like Mimi was describing. Sometimes it takes for that person to be presented to know that this is actually even better than what I thought it could be. And the second piece is we don't apply for jobs anymore. Once you are far enough along in your career and you've you know done great work, then there's this chance that you might not be applying for jobs. You're creating your jobs. So mm. what I do now and what we both do together is we go to organizations and say, hey, this is a gap in technology. This is a gap in cybersecurity or content. Let me help you fix it. I think I have this characteristic or ability or skill to help you do something that you probably didn't think you were wanting to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that, Mimi? That's the heart of it. Because if you are especially bringing it back to startups, we were talking a little bit about how the recruiting part is the dating part and joining a startup is the marriage part and kind of where you're really bringing yourself to the table. And it's this team that's growing together through all the hard parts. And I would say when you think of yourself, when you know yourself well, and when a startup knows themselves well, you can meet on things like determination and curiosity. I know Nathan, his prime quality is curiosity. And I think with startups, you just, you have to have that. If you're curious, you're going to try to figure out something's not working. You're not going to start blaming somebody. You're not going to start blaming the product. You're going to start getting curious about how to work this through. So I think it really comes down to what what you're saying is like when people meet people and they feel, oh, this is a person who has loyalty, who can get through the hard stuff with grit and grace and is smart and creative and curious, it takes off the plate, all these weird things on paper that people think have to be all together. And I've seen amazing people pivot in their career, grow in their career because of that fit. And because everyone's working on themselves, you get good people together in a startup, you get a great team. You know what I love about your energy, even communication tactics and how it feels in my mind is you have this coaching aura about you where you're not helping provide a service, but you're helping that person get better at what they want to ultimately succeed at. Recruiting, finding the right team. That's also like a culture piece is bringing that person in and having them help build the culture. And you're just describing 
how it's a bit synonymous from dating and marriage. You know, we're talking about the marriage part now. Where do you really find your excellence in what you do with matchmaking help marry candidates with companies? And what are also some of the elements that make a good marriage for a match? I always am afraid to sound like I'm being too simplistic, but I'm not. It's the founders have to really connect with these, especially these two first roles. And it is chemistry. If there's chemistry and respect, mutual respect is also very important. A founder has to want to follow a first sales leader, has to want to follow a first marketing leader. They have to listen to what they're saying and be inspired about their own business. Like a marriage, when you speak Mm -hmm. to somebody who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you want to feel inspired about life with that person. (laughs) You don't want it to be something that like ahead of you looks like really complicated (laughs) and, and rough. And I would say the most beautiful times when I see those things happening are when founders are self-aware enough and people are self-aware enough and they come together. And obviously there's certain things that have to be on paper. Nobody can ever just say about me that I don't have, you know, there is a checklist of things that need to be there. But once the chemistry is there, you can do so much. And the respect, that is what I've seen to be where that goes really beautifully. One thing that I think about as you're talking about matching people up is sometimes the person that you want isn't the person that you need in a lot of sense. Like whether you're talking about dating and you're talking getting to marriage or you're talking about someone that's in a startup, because then you think about things like diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of culture. It's easy to have that chemistry when everyone thinks the same and everyone's slapping high fives. But sometimes the person that you need is very different thinks very different about problem sets, thinks very different about maybe it's finances or or selling, or maybe it's just different way of looking at the product. So how do you balance making sure that you are covering your bases from a diversity standpoint, but also having that chemistry? Because I, I think there's a balance there. And how do you coach people through having that balance? There's a chapter in my book <laughs> <laughs> and it's called The Manic Pixie Dream Girl, Zoe Dashnell. Mm-hmm. Like all mm-hmm. the characters she plays, it's like this extremely sprite, otherworldly girl. And there's some guy who she's their dream girl, but like she has no personality. They have nothing actually in common. <laughs> and it's like she, her whole existence is just to somehow in the movie create some meaning for him. It's this kind of really off dynamic that has was a theme like in the 2000s. So I think startups often have that where either they're having their eye on a competitor and it's a little too intense and they're like, we need to be like that. We need yeah. to be like that. We need to be, and that, and that, and that. And then they're not focusing on a, that kind of like deep sense of self-knowledge, you know, and they're like, okay, we're a little too serious. Let's find a really fun CMO or like a really out there sales leader who's going to be like, make us laugh every day, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever it is. But if that's not the vibe of the company, it's going to get old really fast. Mm-hmm. My personal approach, I am a recruiter and I see a lot on the diversity side. I'm going to report from my end that diversity is in really good shape from my side. Mm-hmm. I only see people excited to diversify things, diversify their teams. I know that that's not 
necessarily politically correct, but I'm just reporting what I see. I have never had any kind of, and I would say it because it's popular to say it, I would say it, Mm -hmm. but I don't see any pushback when it comes to diversity. And when I'm talking about chemistry, I don't see, let's say, two people who are similar culturally necessarily having that chemistry only. Mm -hmm. It really is a deeper thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's right back to marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Love is blind. (laughs) So I do see beautiful matches and the most beautiful matches I've made have nothing to do with cultural similarities. Mm -hmm. In fact, the opposite, because I work with a lot of international companies. So I am dealing with actually guiding people with different cultures to connect with each other and find ways that they can meet and actually find the chemistry. So that's what I would say. I think when companies and founders know themselves and they're confident in their instincts and candidates know themselves and they're comfortable in their instincts, I do think these things go off the table. What I love about all of this and what I also love about you, Mimi, is that you are a hacker. I'm not sure if you knew that. Did you know that? That's the best compliment. (laughs) I'll probably get in a long time, so I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, what hackers do best is they take all of these disparate pieces of information and use it to make a story. And you've taken so many parallels between dating and building successful cultures and also many other things. What I wanted to ask was for anyone out there, like if you're a startup or you're an individual, how do you hack this game of recruiting and matchmaking? That is all about knowing yourself. I think you guys will appreciate that. I know you are always into developing oneself as a way of being a better professional. And I tell that to job searchers. You know, it's a time. There are layoffs right now. I tell it to hiring managers. I tell it to anyone that's coming to me and wants to prepare for this experience of matching up mating up (laughs) to create a beautiful startup, you have to be at your best. So if you're looking for a job, make sure you have accomplishments that you can point to every day in your life, whether it's work-related or not work-related. But the deeper you know yourself, you're always going to be better off in this market. You'll look at the right things. You won't be chasing the manic pixie dream girls of the world. (laughs) And you'll be looking for your match and your spot and your place and your people. And when you can do that from a really deep place, you will always make the right choices. I love that. That is beautiful advice for anyone to listen to. Understand yourself and then look for what you need whether we're talking about dating or cybersecurity. Mimi, it has been an honor to hop on the mics with you and chop it up. If anyone's looking for more about Mimi, be sure to drop into the show notes below wherever you're listening to this and get more from her. And with that, we will see everyone next time. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee.